2: It is a uh, Thursday afternoon. Welcome to the Stochastic NHL Strategy Show, sponsored by Bet65. Bet365. I'm having quite a moment to start the show. I'm your host, Josh Harris. If you're playing NHL tonight, congrats on competing for tens of dollars. DraftKings completely butchered the uh, GBP tonight. There's nothing else really going on tonight. MLB has a day slate. Masters locked this morning. There's NBA, but that doesn't really affect NHL. I mean, I don't know. 14 game slate, 5K to first, and the $15 on DraftKings is disappointing, but not surprising. I would go on a rant, but it's going to just fall out here. So, Cliffy, how's your Thursday? It's very nice in New Jersey today.
3: Yeah, I was. I was gonna say maybe maybe we'll save the rant for a day we don't have 14 games and 28 teams to break down because uh, you know I'm super frustrated with the contest as well. Um, I mean it is what it is. It's the end of the season for DK. They don't really care about NHL in general. Um, most DFS sites don't. Um, it just it is what it is. So we're just gonna have to get through it. Not a nice day here. Um, we're on day two of an ice storm, uh, freezing rain. Hasn't been as bad here as it's been in Quebec and Ontario, so uh, shout out to people, especially Eastern Ontario and in, into Quebec. There's a million people in Quebec without power, I think I saw, on their third day without power, so uh pretty brutal storm for April. Um Hopefully uh not too much comes out of that, but you had, this is the first show we had since Tuesday, you and Jake. Had a pretty big night there, uh, thanks to the Detroit Red Wings a couple nights ago. Why don't you tell us about it?
2: That was the first slate I ever had like a decent team when I fell asleep. I'm that's uh, just that's just like the signs that I'm just getting old, yeah, right. So I had the Red Wings top line, Dylan Larkin, shout out Dylan Larkin, 0 0 0 on five goals. That's fine though, David Perron. Had a big night. Had all the bonuses possible, I think, except uh, the block bonus, which he had two blocks. Uh, Bertuzzi had an assist. Or not Bertuzzi. Kubelik had an assist shot on goal. But then I also had them with uh, Devin Levi, who outscored 60% wool by one point and was one save away from the saves bonus. He played great, by the way. Had late night Colorado. Fell asleep at the start of that game. I was out of the cash. I woke up. I had the the contest that I had open on my phone was the $9 uh, Q or like satellite to win a $100 master ticket. It was like a nine person feel or 12 person feel, something like that. I ended up winning it. I was like, oh, so maybe I full cashed. So I clicked out of it and it goes into my winnings. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I finished second in the thir- thirty three for five k. Not as good as night uh, as our boss Jake Hari shipped the uh, fifteen with uh, Jess Barry Emmy. and Jesse Puliyarvi. Jesse Puliyarvi and Stefan Mason. This guy every year he'll have a bank, and it's just it's just wild. He had a Brad Richardson one off with four goals a few years ago at like 03 percent. So like he's just he's very good with the uh, optimizer. But but the point. That I'm trying to make there is single entry MME com- two completely different skill sets. Single entry, you don't really have to deal with the optimizers. MME, not only do you need to know what you're doing, you also need to really need to know what you're doing with the optimizer. So, congrats to Jake. He's a, uh, it's a smart man. I've MME a few times this year, and I realized that yeah, I know hockey obviously, but I don't have the great skill set at using the optimizer like. Some of the better MME players do so. I'm going to save that for next year to learn, you know, Fantasy Cruncher a bit better. So, tonight's another night where uh, you literally have to ship everything to win five figures, but we'll do it.
3: We'll do it. We're going to try anyway. We're going to try.
2: 14 games late. We probably should get to it. We don't have a show right after us, thankfully. Otherwise, I'd be, you know, we won't be talking about this win, but congrats to Jake. Congrats to anyone else who did well on Tuesday. I don't even remember what I did last night. I didn't even cash. forgot to look. Um, but, yeah, we are sponsored by Bet365. We'll have a nice offer for you later in the show. As always, uh, don't forget to sign up for the Stochastic Hall of Fame. Just go to stochastic.com backslash avatar. Download that avatar. Put it onto your DraftKings or FanDuel account. And if you place in the top three of a contest, 5K or more, which is not possible in HL tonight, but it is possible in the other sports, uh, you can tweet your win to at StochasticHOF on Twitter or email us if you don't have the tweet machine, and you'll get one free month Stochastic Plus Platinum, which is a $120 value. access single tool we have on the site, you can only um, but yeah, you get the $120 value for free. So. That is cool. I have not gotten into the Hall of Fame because the NHL contests are not big enough. But when I ship the uh, $15 Millimaker for the Masters, I will make sure that they let me in. I will not be shipping the Maker with my one lineup. If I did, that would have been the most insane one of all time. That was like 350,000 people. I'm sure I'm duped. Let's get into this slate. Let's start off with an easy. <sighs> Toronto Maple Leafs with a 2.7 total heading into Boston. The Bruins have a 3.2 total. Elias Samsonov, Samsonite. I was way off. And Jeremy Swayman are confirmed. Man, it's so weird that um, – You have these two teams that are locked in the playoffs and you look at their top two stack percentage and their ownership and it's almost non-existent on both sides here. I'm not really excited about playing both sides here. Boston has the President's Cup already locked up. They're just kind of hoping to avoid injury at the end of the season. Leafs are trying stuff. They're mixing and matching lines, this and that. So, like, in one to three, it's hard to prioritize this game because neither team really has anything to play for. I think with the Rangers beating the Lightning last night, I'm pretty sure that almost locked up home ice in the first round for the Leafs. So they don't have too much to play for. So this is an MME game for me.
3: Yeah. Um, just going to start on the Boston side with David Krejci out, Pavel Zakas is moving to center on the second line and it's moving Tyler Bertuzzi to the top line. Um, I don't really, I mean, that doesn't really change a lot. Like, Bertuzzi, Zaka, Pasternak, or Krejci, Zaka, Pasternak, like it's six and one, half a dozen to the other. Like that doesn't really change a whole lot for me. Um, You raised a good point about these two teams. Like nobody's really owning them. Um, Pretty low ownership on the Boston side, under 1% on each of the top two lines, which I think kind of makes sense when you're seeing – How some of the players are being used, Um, you know, obviously the ice time thing is something that we bring up a lot. Um, Now, what we often say, generally speaking, is Boston doesn't play the top guys a lot when they're winning by a lot. Um, By the same token, like I got to imagine this is one of the games they at least want to try you know what? It's like somewhat like I don't I expect they'll have a better effort tonight at home against Toronto than they did. What was it last week when they went into Chicago and lost? Yeah, Um. I suspect they'll kind of get up for this game a little bit. Um. One thing I noticed, though, was Boston's the def- the top lines defensive metrics have been getting pretty bad. And I don't mean like just bad for Boston. I mean, like bad for anyone. Um, I was looking basically going back to the start of March. So, you know, we're looking at over five weeks now. 3.2 expected goals against per 60 minutes at 5-on-5 is just a bad number um, for that top line. It's bad for almost anyone outside of Anaheim or Columbus. (laughs) And it's horrific for this Boston team. And the thing is, is like the goals are kind of coming with it. 2.7 expected or 2.7 actual goals against per 60 over those last five weeks. Um, That's, you know, worse than league average. So they're starting to give it up a little bit. I'm not sure exactly why. Like, obviously, Patrice Bergeron is playing through something because he's been taking lots of practices off, taking games off, et cetera, et cetera you know, maybe there's something to him not playing well. I also noticed their defensive numbers have been better with Orlov on the ice than without him, which didn't really make sense to me because he's typically not a good defensive defenseman. All this is to say, like, there's something fishy going on with that Boston top line. And like I said, it's not just the last couple of weeks. Like, we're going on six weeks of this now. Again, like, I know they haven't really cared but that makes it, that's pretty important for a game where they're going to be facing off against Austin Matthews, right? Even if Matthews, like, even if they're saddling Matthews with a pair of boat anchors, like, he could still score. I, like, you know, just look at his last game, right? I think he had seven shots with a goal or something like that. And they're literally trying to put their worst players with him. Uh, I, I don't know why, but that's what they're doing. And it makes me kind of interested in Matthews as a one off here tonight. I just don't know if I would get that. Like, there's 28 teams on this slate. Like, do I want to play a one-off Austin Matthews on the road in Boston, even if even if I think it might be a decent matchup? Like, I think there are reasons to play him. Um, I just – I don't know if I can get there with these many teams. I think I'm kind of getting into your boat. Like, I'm not super excited about stacking either side here. I think this is a game where I would be more interested in some of the one-offs. Um, like I said, certainly one off Matthews uh, is perfectly fine. Um, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi mo- moving up to the second line to play with Pasternak. He's only 4K. Um, I think he can use Tyler Bertuzzi as well. Like, I think there are some one offs here I'd like. I don't know if I'm stacking anyone.
2: Yeah. And that's the, like, that's like kind of the issue with one offs on this slate. It's 14 games. So, like, the big, like these really big slates, I try to correlate as much as I can. So I have to get less right. <sighs> Maybe I'll have a one-off. Maybe I'll have uh, like a two-man stack, but I'll generally try to uh, correlate a bit more on the slate. But you know what? If you have a lineup that you really like and you need a Bertuzzi one-off, I'm perfectly fine with that. Like if Pertuzzi's going to get his you know, 15 minutes, I'm down for that. Let's move on to the next one here. I have problems with this game and I'll explain them in a second. Buffalo Sabres with a 3.3 total heading into Detroit. The Red Wings have a 3.3 total. Devin Levi, still min price on DraftKings. Ville Huso are confirmed. Here's the issue I have I both really like Detroit one, and I really like Devin Levi. It would be quite a scene if I stacked Detroit one against Levi in a 14 game slate. I don't think I will get there. Um, I've watched both the Levi's games and I think you're onto something with this concentrate. He's like a Jedi. Just, he's just, he in the timeouts, he just sits there like, it's kind of, I want to like go on the screen and do this and see if he starts blinking. It's kind of confusing, but he's looked good. He's still in price here. 3% projecting ownership is not right. Like projecting goalies are impossible, but he's going to be, he's going to be pretty chalky tonight. That being said, is Tage Thompson in? No, right.
3: Um, they said game time decision, but um, he wasn't practicing with the power play this morning, so, and they had Casey Middlestat skating in his line, so it looks like he's going to be out. But it, officially, a game time decision.
2: Yeah, I mean, if he was confirmed in, I'd have a lot of interest in almost no own Buffalo here because you know Detroit's penalty kill is not great not a great defensive team. Although, you know, as I say, this, the lineup builder just popped Casey Middlestad onto the top line. Now that cop line has been actually decent. So it would just be an ownership play. I think my favorite line still in this game is Detroit one.
3: Um. Yeah. Uh, I agree with the Detroit one call. Like we said last show and <laughs> a number of shows, um, Whenever Lucas Raymond isn't with Larkin, we have interest in Larkin's line today. Is absolutely no different. Um, the matchup is a good one too. Like they've been switching using Andrew Copp in a shutdown role back and forth at different times of season. This is one of those situations where it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if Larkin's going out against the top line or against the Cousins line. They're both equally bad defensively. So like the matchup doesn't really worry me that much. Um, you know, we talked about the power play the other day with Alex Chase on um, back, um, or not back, but on the Detroit Red Wings and on a top power play unit. Like, he's helping them along. Like, there are a lot of good things about this Detroit top line to like here tonight. They are coming in over on 9% against a 5% top two stack probability. So, there is that to consider. But I'm like, I'm with you. I, th- I think it's just another good spot for them. Um, the problem I'm running up into is. I'm pretty sure I'm going to be playing Devin Levi again here tonight. Like until they they price him as an actual goalie in, you know, that's playing in the NHL, I, I, I'm finding it really hard to not play him, especially when he could see a, a, a lot of volume. Right. That's kind of the thing that's really just making me like, just not even consider Detroit. Um, I think it's like one, you know, those, it's like that either or thing. Like I could see myself easily playing Detroit one tonight if Levi was 7,400. But at 6,500, like I think I'm going to have to play him. So that's, you know, it just is what it is. Uh, You know, just to touch on the Detroit second line quickly, I think whatever brief spurt they had of success is pretty much gone. Um, They're kind of getting run over of late. 2.2 A 2.2 expected goals for 3.2 against for cop and Raymond going back to the first of March. Um, that's per 60 minutes. Uh, only 43 shot attempts generated per 60 minutes and five on five. Like they're not doing a lot. So it's Detroit one or bus, but like I said, I think I'd probably would just rather play Levi on the Buffalo side. Like with, without Tage Thompson, I think the top line is fine to use with middle stat there, especially like it's such a big savings price wise um, going from Thompson down to middle stat. Problem is one middle stats, a winger on DK. So that's a three wing top line. Um The others that I like, I'm worried it'll make him a little bit more popular because middle stat is like $4,500 cheaper than Tage Thompson or something like that. So um I think Buffalo one is perfectly fine, but honestly it's probably Buffalo two. I'm more interested in on that side. Um They're very cheap. They're down around 12 K. They played a lot of minutes in the last game. Um, not like super heavy, but I think Cousins was at 19 and Quinn was at like 17 or something like that, which heavy yeah, for that. Yeah. Yeah. There were games where they were playing like 11 or 12 minutes about a month ago. So, um, I really like that Buffalo 2 is kind of a filler stack here.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I do like that Buffalo 2 call. It's, it's that Levi Detroit one conundrum. Like I would feel awful just straight up putting Levi in and having, um, you know, Detroit one of my lineup. That's just, I just can't do that on a 14-game slate. But before we move on, we have a five ninety nine dollars or sorry, he's a little cheaper than that, a $4.99 super chat from our good pal, Matt Niehaus. Thank you for the super chat. He says, do you recommend trading a van for a moped? Thanks for another great season, gents. Um, what you should do, Matt, I'm going to call you Matt. I've been calling you Niehaus for like five years. But I'm going to call you Matt because you need to learn how to butcher. And then if you learn how to butcher, we can open up the steakhouse in St. Louis and we'll have a steakhouse called the Steakhouse. So trade in the van, learn how to butcher, get a restaurant. <laughs> Thank you for the super chat. Always a pleasure having you in Discord for, this is I think the sixth or seventh season we've been in the same Discord together. You keep me busy throughout the year. We'll just leave it at that.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll just say thanks a lot for the super chat. I'm going to leave uh, you and Josh to open your steak house together <laughs> and I'll just come and visit every once in a while to see how you guys are making out
2: free steaks for cliffy. When I'll take
3: it, I'll take it.
2: As long as i in a catering track. Yeah. <laughs> Ottawa Senators with a 2.8 total heading into Florida. The Panthers have a 4.1 total. Levi Miralainen, Alex Leone confirmed. Florida's had a four total for like a month straight now. Uh, like, they have two lines here. Now, the differences between this slate and the slate on Tuesday when they're playing Buffalo... Is there's no Devin Levi in that. Although Levi Marilyn actually looked pretty good the other night. That being said, Senator's penalty kill is not great. <sighs> That's another issue with the Panthers. You'd have to go across three even strength lines here. So I think you just go back to you know full stacking even strength lines here. And it's kind of what you want to do. Because Lundell and Luz are pretty cheap. like That line is 16 and change with Kachuk there. The top line is a little bit more expensive. They're like 19 and change or maybe even 20. So it's kind of like how you want to build. The problem is Lundell isn't on a power play unit. He only plays like 14 minutes. Luz on the second unit. I think I, just talking about it right now, I've talked myself into preferring Florida one here.
1: Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice, Samsung, more wow than ever.
2: That being said, Alex Leon has been excellent the past week or so. But I, I still have interest here in the Senators' top line.
3: Um, I will always have interest in the Senators' top line. It's just, you know, like we said in the last show, Barkov and Duclair typically had good defensive numbers this year. Um, took a little bit of a beating in their last game. Also noticed, like, Duclair's not getting super heavy ice time, only about 14 minutes a game. That's a, I mean, that's a little bit of a problem from the Florida side, but like, I'm not super concerned on the Ottawa and for those reasons. And it like the other reason to play Ottawa is all the penalties Florida takes, right? Like these are, in fact, it's both sides. These are both two of the most penalized teams in the league and also two teams that uh, draw the most power plays. There should be a lot of power plays in this one. Um, But one thing I was looking at with regards to the Ottawa power play is it hasn't been, Quite the same with Jake Sanderson there as with Thomas Shabbat. And I don't think that should really surprise anybody. But um, without him, uh, the Sens generate about 10% more shot attempts. Um, The goals are up uh, something like 20%. Um, That's with Shabbat. Like with Sanderson, it's worse. That's a little bit concerning because like we always say, um, Ottawa, their DFS value thrives for a lot. I mean, a lot of teams do, but Ottawa, especially their DFS value thrives with the power play. So that is a bit of a concern to me. Um, But I'm with you, like considering the pretty low ownership we're seeing on, on Ottawa here and Tim Stutzler is playing like 23 minutes a game. Um, You know, this line's perfectly correlated on the power play. I'm with you. I do like Ottawa one here. Um, I like the Florida side as well. Um, it's just a matter of where to go. Cause you're facing that same problem again of, you know, we've got one forward on three different lines on the top power play unit, which is, you know, that's just kind of always drives us nuts, but um, you know, Barkov and Duclair do generate a lot of offense this year. They're at 3.6 expected goals, four per 60 minutes, 4.1 actual goals. Those are great, great numbers. Um, you know, Barkov, for how much we kind of slagged him earlier in the season, I was looking his last 15 games, which basically goes back to the start of March, uh, over three shots per game and 22 points. The only and the thing that's keeping him from being even better is I think he's only shooting like eight percent in that stretch. Um, if you're shooting like you know 12, 13, 14 he percent, he'd be on like a real kind of a nuclear stretch right now. Um, Just kind of goes to show how well, uh, how, like how much better he could be producing. So I really do like both top lines here in this game. I think I would lean to the Ottawa top line just because of the perfect power play correlation. But there's a lot to like all over this, all over this matchup.
2: Yeah, your point about Chabot and Sanderson, I'm not super concerned. Like they're different players, right? On the power play, Jake Sanderson more of a facilitator. Chabot's more of a grip it and rip it type of point man. But as long as Brady Kachuk's got his big ass down in front of the net, like I I still think it's all right. But yeah, I mean, if Sanderson starts shooting a bit more, then I think the numbers pick back up. It's always interesting to get the Kachuk games. The last time this happened, I played Matt Kachuk and Brady Kachuk went off. Now I'm thinking about playing Brady Kachuk and I think Matt Kachuk's going to go off, but just Chuck Stack. How about that? Yeah. Washington Capitals with a 3.6 total. Heading into Montreal, the Canadiens have a 2.9 total. Darcy Kemper, Dikembe Samuel Montembeau is confirmed here. Hate this game. Burning passion. I, I, you could just put me on the loop with the Capitals games. Just, I hate this game. I hate this game. But here's the thing, right? Ovechkin, <laughs> going into Montreal... Who had probably one of the worst power or penalty kills in the league? 3.5% projected ownership. Even if that's like five-six percent, I think Ovechkin's a very good one-off. I think the top line is a very good play. Just from an ownership standpoint, they're 3.6 total. It is on the road, but it's fine. Montreal is terrible. Defensively, anyway. Like the Canadians still have almost a three total. This they've been scoring. Like they have they have some pretty good lines. I don't, know if, I don't know if I'd full stack them, but they have pieces that I like that are cheap that you can play, like a Brandon Gallagher, Dennis Goryanoff, Mike Hoffman, Nick Suzuki. Capitals, let's not forget, like, they have been eliminated from the playoffs. They have nothing else to play for. They've kind of sneakily are tank rebuilding. Like, I don't know what they're doing, really, but um, I kind of have some interest in some of these Montreal guys.
3: Yeah, I – Actually, I just want to mention one thing. I know, like, don't get me wrong. I know Montreal is definitely a bad defensive team and they're just a bad team in general. Um, That's why I'm wearing my Montreal jersey because this might be the last time they win even or even have a chance to win a game this season. Uh, But since the trade deadline, which it's been 14 games for Washington, 17 games for Montreal, at five on five, Washington has a worse expected goals against and a worse goals against Mark than montreal does yeah they're bad real bad horrific now john carlson came back during march so like maybe they're they're kind of getting a little bit better and it's not being captured by uh, moving averages but um they've been pretty horrific for a while i was looking at their record for their their last it was their, their last twenty three games they've lost seventeen of their last twenty three games or something like that like this isn't a good Washington team like I am sorry the problem is is like this is a very bad Montreal team as well and Rafael Harvey Pernard being back is going to put him on the top line with Nick Suzuki and Harvey Pernard is still very expensive he's at fifty five hundred. Now, he was shooting a little bit more before he got injured. Um, he had 15 shots in five games before he got injured, but he's typically not been shooting much this season. 55 is a lot. Suzuki, like Joel Armia being on the top line is, as a Habs fan, just drives me absolutely insane. Like, this is, like, you're a Rangers fan. This is Barclay Goodroll playing on the top line, and I'm, I mean that. And, uh, like, he's just going to make the – I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's going to make the line worse – but it's not like they're going into a bad matchup. But honestly, I think <laughs> I'm going back to my tried and true. Not tried and true, but definitely tried at least. Uh, Druin and Gurianov, they've been a fairly good two men. 2.7 expected goals for, 2.7 actual goals for per 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five in five, over 115 minutes together. Um, the problem is none of them are on the power play or the top power play unit anyway. Uh, That kind of sucks because it has been getting a little bit better, but they are very cheap uh, coming in, you know, over-owned, but, you know, you got to expect that with the line so cheap. So I don't mind like a Joanne Gurian off two-man or something like that. That's about it. On the Washington side, it's the top line. Like, you can go to back, like a two-man, a Backstrom Milano or something like that if you want, but with Montreal's penalty kill being as bad as it has, like basically all season, Uh, but certainly, um, you know, over the last 16, 17 games, going back to the start of March, you know, I think they're last by goals against permitted on the penalty kill over the last five weeks. So um, the entire top line looks to be perfectly correlated strong Wilson and Ovechkin. They're coming in under owned as well. Uh, I got to say Washington one is lining up to be one of my, not my favorite top stack on, on the slate, but it's certainly going to be amongst the you know, four or five top lines that I'll be considering as a primary stack for my single lineup tonight.
2: As much as I want to disagree with that, because I hate stacking Washington, I I agree. And that pains me to say, because, yeah, I hate stacking Washington. Let's talk about a team I do like stacking now. Kent Johnson. No, not Kent Johnson. I do like playing Kent Johnson, but not tonight. Columbus Blue Jackets with a 2.5 total heading into New Jersey. The Devils have a 4.4 total. If you're playing the Blue Jackets, you're going to have a 4.4 total. Like, I'm pretty sure the last five opponents for the Blue Jackets have had a 4.4 total. Michael Hutchinson, Vitek, Vanacek are probable. Devil's going Hughes, Barat, Palat, Heesher, Mercer, Tatar, and then Timo Meyer, Hall, Bakwist, Columbus, you know, Jenner, Goudreau, Marchenko, then Rossovic, Ken Johnson, Liam Foudy. Not that that is really relevant. I I don't have too much interest in the depth of Columbus. I don't have a ton of interest in Columbus' top line, but if you do get to them at MME, I think that's fine. Um, The question is what to do on the New Jersey side here. Uh, The Hughes line getting, you know, they're they're having a little bit of negative leverage. Nothing, you know, too bad. Same with the the line, but they're cheaper. They're less owned, and Dawson Mercer is coming off a hat trick. Um, it's just a question of what you want to do because I think you can even just play the third line too. That's how bad you know Columbus is. You could just stack Hollow and Timo Meyer and call it a day. They're just so bad defensively. They're so bad on the penalty kill. I'm probably looking to double center uh, Heisher and Hughes and then add in the Timo or Brat, probably Brat, and then go about my day. Really, I think it's a power play stack that I like here.
3: Yeah, just want to note real quick, uh, Looks, I don't think Eric Hall is playing tonight. I think Nathan Bastion's back in the lineup, and he's moving up to that line with Meyer and Bokvist. Not that it makes a huge difference. I think they should still just have Eric Hall and, and Jack Hughes playing together. I know we made fun of that combination a lot, but in real hockey terms, they were pretty good. DFS, not so much. But um, it's hard not to go back to that Hissier line. I was really kicking myself for not using them on Tuesday night. Um, I wanted to pair them with Colorado. I didn't. I put St. Louis instead, and I paid dearly dealer for that. Uh, but that Hischer, Mercer to Tower line we said it on Tuesday. They just keep generating over the last four weeks, four expected goals, for per 60 minutes at five on five, three actual goals. Um, Nico Hischer, 31 shots and 12 points in his last 10 games. Um, they're fairly cheap. Yes, they're going to come in pretty highly owned. Um, I think you can do something like, um, you know, we always say double centers. So I think you can do like a Hughes-Hisher, um, um, you know, Tatar or Hughes-Hisher-Mercer or something like that, even if Mercer's not on the power play. Um, certainly you can do like a hisher hughes Brat it is the top line that I still like. Like the Columbus top line is not good defensively. Um, The Columbus second line, you know, even worse defensively, but it doesn't really matter for matchup purposes. Like I just want to keep playing the line that I know has been good in a large sample for basically this entire season. And that's the history line. But like I said, with how bad Columbus is penalty kill, like, you can't really blame Columbus. They're missing basically like every NH- every NHL defenseman they have, um, whether by trade or injury or otherwise. Uh, but the penalty kills just fallen apart over the last five or six weeks to where it's been one of the worst in the league. Not that New Jersey's power play has been particularly good, but I think this is a case where you can not necessarily even strength stack and, and kind of lean more towards a power play stock on the Jersey side uh nothing for me from columbus i would have interest in the columbus top line like you said in an mme format i think they're pretty reasonably priced and as bad as they are defensively they're north of three expected goals per 60 minutes over the last four weeks which is pretty good uh shot generation so columbus won in if you're playing a ton of lineups i think there should be some interest there but it's more new jersey one and new jersey power play guys
2: I am in agreement there. The best way to make money from the books is to take advantage of great promo offers when they become available. And as you know, we are sponsored by Bet365, and we have a great offer from them. Click the link in the description below to take advantage. Bet $1. Get 200 in bonus bets at Bet365. Obviously, a deposit is required. Uh, Bet winnings are added to bonus bet balance and the bonus bet wager excluded from returns. This is available in New Jersey, Colorado, Ohio, and Virginia. They are expanding to more states as the year goes on. So make sure if you're one of those states, uh, you know, just keep it in mind. But for $1, you get $200 in bonus bets. You can bet on anything you want tonight. Avs are in San Jose again. Maybe a Meek or maybe a Nathan McKinnon goal. But yeah, if it loses, you'll still get the bonus bets. So ch- check out that link in the description below. And let's get to it. Minnesota Wild with a 2.9 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.2 total. Marc-Andre Flory, Tristan Jari are confirmed. Now this is interesting because there's not much ownership here on this game. There is a couple, there's a couple lines that I like here. I like the Crosby line. They've been producing. They just haven't been finishing. They're coming in around 5%. They have their more than um their ownership is less than half of their top two. They have very good positive leverage here. They're going to avoid the meat grinder lines for the for the wild. And on the flip side, I really like this Joel Eric's neck, Matt Boldy line. They have no ownership. And Pittsburgh is awful defensively. Like we talk about how good they are offensively. They're trash defensively. So, like, I think you can go – there are multiple lines on both sides that I like.
3: I can't believe I'm actually – it it's blowing my mind that it's a 14-game slate and I'm strongly considering a Minnesota line with Kirill Kaprazov injured. But, uh, that, like, that's, that's exactly where the Pittsburgh Penguins are at at this point. I was looking over the last three weeks – each of their top two lines are at three expected goals, or right around three expected goals against per sixty, or worse at five on five. So that speaks to how bad they've been defensively, like you said. Um, so I don't think the I don't think whether they see the Crosby line or the Malkin line, like it doesn't matter for me from a defensive perspective. Um, in fact, <laughs> I was looking at some game logs from Pittsburgh's last few home games. They've been using Drew O'Connor, and Jeff Carter to shut down role. <laughs> That's where the team is at this point of the season. They are scrambling and panicking so bad that 39 or 46 year old Jeff Carter is go- eating shut down minutes as they try to earn their way to the playoffs. <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, um, um, I, I don't have a lot of interest in Pittsburgh. I like I'm gonna be honest here. Um, uh, the top line has been scoring. They've been generating a lot. The only bad Minnesota line from a defensive perspective has been Hartman and Zuccarello. I think Sam Steele in a smaller in a small sample has helped, but um, they have typically been pretty bad. But a couple things: one, the goaltending has generally been good for Minnesota. Two, they don't take a ton of penalties; like they're really bang on the league average. The Minnesota penalty kill has generally been pretty good, and Pittsburgh's power play has generally been very bad. Um, I know that there's not a ton of ownership coming in on Pittsburgh: top line at five percent, second line at two to three percent, like. I have no problem really playing Crosby, Gensel, and Rust with the hopes that they're going to go into that Hartman and Zuccarello line, which isn't a bad matchup. Um, but you're just kind of hoping for that matchup only and nothing else, and you're kind of hoping that they break through on a power play that is really just kind of you know puking all over the place when they go on the ice. So I like I'm I'm fine playing Pittsburgh from an ownership perspective, and that's something that's pretty important for DFS. Um, I just don't think I really necessarily like the spot for them. Like they're, they're basically in the same price range as Ottawa's top line. And I think I'd rather play Ottawa's top line, um, tonight going into Florida than I would Pittsburgh one. So, I mean, same thing with the Florida top line. Like I'd rather play with, I'd rather play either the Florida or the Ottawa top line than I would Pittsburgh one here tonight. And they're all basically in the same price range. So that's why I'm not super high on Pittsburgh on the Minnesota side. It's the Marcus Johansson line. I, I got to give him props, man. I didn't think Marcus Johansson would make that big of a dent or be a big deal at all for Minnesota. And at least so far, they've been really, really good. The Erickson, Boldy Johansson line has. I was looking just over the last three weeks to kind of see if there was, you know, any significant fall off from a hot start. Still... North of three expected goals per 60 at 5-on-5 five five over the last three weeks for that line. I'm all in the top power play unit, all playing 18 to 20 minutes. Um, I think Eriksson, Boldy, and Johansson is the line I like best in this game. I don't mind them as one of those middle price lines here tonight. Yeah,
2: they've been good. Pittsburgh's been bad. No ownership. Maybe it comes up through the day. Maybe now that we put the spotlight on, I don't think we move ownership that much. We live in a bubble here. Yeah. Maybe they're coming a little bit higher on. But let's move on to Tampa Bay with a 2.7 total. Heading into New York, that sucks. The Islanders have a 3.2 total. Brian Elliott is confirmed. Elias Sorokin is probable. Lightning played last night. They got...
4: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, Huh?
0: Jumba.
1: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. J-j-jumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: I don't know. I, I watched that Rangers game. The Rangers kind of, it was like a tale of three games. They started off really strong, then they fell apart for a period, and then they picked it back up, and they won six to three. Don't have too much interest in the Lightning back-to-back on the road right near the playoffs going into Sorokin. That being said, I do have a little bit of interest in the Nelson-Palmary-Engvall line, especially with Elliott and Nett. Tampa hasn't been anything special defensively recently, so if I was going to play a line in this game, it would be Nelson-Palmary.
3: Yeah, um, one thing I will mention on the Tampa side – Anthony Sorelli got dinged up in the game yesterday. Right. And it forced them to kind of switch around their depth lines. So we don't know exactly what the Tampa line is. Tampa lineup is going to look like. And I don't think we're going to know until warmups. So just keep that in mind. If you're playing the Tampa side, like in a nutshell, I have no interest in Tampa in this game. Uh, It's a terrible power play spot for them. Uh, their last five weeks that loaded top lines at 2.8 expected goals for for 60 minutes. The only reason they're scoring is because they're shooting 15%. They're a very talented line. 15% is too high. Like anything above 12% would really make me kind of, you know, perk an eye up. So where they're not generating a lot and really relying on percentages, it's like, do I really want to play them uh, going into long Island? Not really uh, not at, you know, 22,200. If you want to one off somebody, I guess you can do that. It, I, I just don't think I want to pay that high of a price on the road. When you know, if they're half a percent owned on a seven game slate, I'd say okay, maybe we can talk. When there's 28 teams playing, I just don't feel the need to force it in a single entry. So I'm out on Tampa on the underside. I think both top lines are really in play here. Um, you know, both. The Horvat, Lee, and Holmstrom line, as well as Nelson, Palmieri, and Engvall. Both lines have two guys on the top power play unit. Tampa's penalty kill. It's been really struggling, and it's not just been over the last month. It's basically been since the All-Star game, maybe even earlier than that, which is like two-plus months now. Um, You know, the Islanders' power play hasn't really been anything like super elite What I will note is, like, their shot generation hasn't really fallen off that much without Matt Barzal. It's down, like, 7 to 8%. 7 to 8, not 78%. You know, it's a bit, but it's not significant. Um, Engvall's been playing really, really well on, on that second line as well. So, I think both lines are perfectly in play here. It's just kind of a matter of what you need um, price-wise I would lean to Nelson Palmieri and Engvall but they're coming in a little bit over owned for my liking uh, so I think Horvat Lee and Holmstrom would be more the play for me here but I think both Islanders lines are firmly in play here and they're in a nice spot where especially if you play the Nelson Palmieri Engvall line they're basically a filler tonight so you can still go out and go play like a Colorado stack or something so I think it's the Islanders' second line I, uh, I like in this game, especially with Brian Elliott starting.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I just don't know how much I'm going to get to the Islanders on a 14-game slate. But they might be in consideration in my the uh. Nelson line anyway for my 1-3. to three. Let's move on to the next one. Carolina with a 3.1 total heading into Nashville. The Predators have a 2.3. I'll be quick. No interest in Nashville. It doesn't really matter what line they go out against. The the hurricanes are an absolute meat grinder defensively. It's just insane how like yeah, like losing Svechnikov is gonna hurt them offensively, but man, they are nasty defensively. If you want if you get to Novak Evangelista and MME, that's fine. Like if it's in your one of your last lineups, that's fine. For me, it's the Carolina top line. Or nothing really. Like I think Aho Neches is fine with Martin I don't really want to go back to that cockney. I mean, nice in line. Like, I guess they're fine because they're so cheap. They can be like a decent filler. But if I'm going to spend at all, that Carolina top line is like fifteen and change, and they're where I'm looking at.
3: Yeah, I <laughs> the Carolina top line that Aho nates line, um, with Seth Jarvis there is at two point three expected goals against per sixty minutes of five on five this year. That number is about twelve percent better than the league average. And that's their worst defensive line. Um, you know, we were talking about Kakaniami and Pouliarby earlier in the show. We we're also talking about them in the Discord this morning. Those guys on the ice, uh, you know, even Kakaniami and Stefan Nason, like a meat grinder kind of undersells it. Like there's did like the the pe- people just do not get quality shots off and barely even get shots off um when those guys are on the ice. So no interest in Nashville. Carolina, like that second line's coming in heavily owned, um, and the problem for me here is they said Tuomo Tarvainen is a game time decision, and Taravainen had been playing a little bit next to Kakanyemi. He had been also playing a little bit uh, with all, He's been playing on all the top three lines actually, and it worries me that you know seven thirty five Eastern's going to roll around, and all of a sudden you know we have a Taravainen uh, Puglia-Yarvi and Nason's second line. And, you know, Teravine and puglia don't have a huge price difference, but it is a $1,000. Like, it's something you have to factor in if you're playing any Carolina line tonight. Because if if Teravine comes in, there could be a big blundering going on. Like, the only... Like, I think Natchez and Aho certainly will be staying together. Um, I think Kakeniemi, uh and... Uh, and Nason, sorry, will be staying together. It's just a matter of playing three-man uh, forward lines that I'm not sure of. Uh, like, I, I agree with you. I think it is the Carolina top line that I prefer here. I think this is another game where I'm going to be looking for one-offs. Uh, you know, certainly a one-off Nason, uh one-off Natchez, uh, maybe some something on the on the blue line. I just don't see myself stacking on either side here. It's another one of those games where I think I'd rather play UC Saros uh, starting at home for Nashville at 7,100 than any Carolina stack.
2: Yeah, I am kind of in agreement there. 7,100 Saros at home is very enticing. Would have been way more enticing if Devin Levi wasn't in price. Yeah. New York Rangers they a 3.6 total. Heading into St. Louis, the Blues have a 2.9 total. Yaroslav Halak is probable. Rangers played last night it was Igor. Jordan Bennington confirmed. Uh, I would imagine, you know, the Rangers won 11-7 last night. Patty Kane was out with a lower body. I would imagine he comes back in tonight. Someone else might come out, though. So just be aware of
3: that. Well, Truba probably, right?
2: Yeah, Truba got rocked.
3: Yeah, he he, yeah. he like he didn't come back. Now they said he traveled. They said that he traveled with the team, but that he because that happened like five minutes into the game, right? Yeah, like five ten minutes, and he Lindgren. never came back. Yeah. I can't imagine he's going to play the very next night on the road when you know playoffs are are a week away or whatever. You know, ten days away. Yeah, um,
2: with well, Ryan Lindgren's back though, so.
3: Yeah, so I I'm, you know, maybe somebody comes in on the blue line or, or something like that uh, for Truba and then they still stay eleven seven 7 or whatever, but
2: yeah. But you just have to see. Um Blues going with Kairu, Shen Saad, Buchnevich, I believe, is back with Vrana and neighbors, and then the third line of Kasperi Kapan and Sammy Blay. Josh Levio, Levo. No one there is no ownership on the blues here. Rangers aren't a very good defensive team. Not that, like, Truba being out improves their defense. It doesn't because who's going to come in for him? Ben Harper. Uh, and Ben Harper, not very good defensively. So, I don't know. Kind of have some interest in these Blues lines here. There's no ownership on them. I think they're a sneaky GPP target.
3: I, I kind of like both sides here. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, I'll, I'll start with the St. Louis side. The top line of Sad, Shen, and Kairu is starting to get to a workable sample. They're up to about 80 minutes together at five on five. And they're abysmal, like horrific, (laughs) terrible. I don't know what else to say. 1.6 expected goals for, 3.6 expected goals against per 60 minutes. Now, sometimes with St. Louis lines, they have a system that can kind of game the expected goals. So it can kind of lie to you a little bit. Then you look at the actual goals, 1.4 actual goals, for per 60, 3.9 against per 60. They're giving up almost 80 shot attempts per 60 minutes. That saad shenkai rule line is just terrible. Awful. Now, would I play them in DFS? Yes, I would. Um, I wouldn't necessarily play them tonight, though, because they're probably going to be used in a shutdown role out against Kreider and Zbanejad, I think. And that Criders advantage Ad line with Jimmy VC there has been pretty good defensively this season. 2.3 expected goals against, 2.4 actual goals against, and almost 150 minutes together at five on five. So out on St. Louis one, in on Rangers one, uh, Criders advantage Ad, both on the top power play unit. Uh, assuming that Kane is, is still out here tonight, they're reasonably priced at five, 15500 on DK. St. Louis doesn't take a lot of penalties, so that's a problem. But their goaltending when they do get on the penalty kill is absolutely t- terrible. So I kind of like the Rangers' top line here, even though it is a back-to-back um, on the road. I also like the St. Louis' second line with Pavel Buchnevich back. Because Buchnevich and Vrana, small sample, but at least 54% of the shot attempts share when they're on the ice together, generating 66 shot attempts per 60 minutes. Those are good offensive numbers. Uh, Vrana, by himself, has 30 shots over his last 10 games. Um, even though, So even though he's not playing 19 minutes a night, he's still putting up three shots a game, which is pretty good. And that Rangers' second line with Tarasenko there is bad defensively. 3.1 expected goals against per 60 minutes of 5-on-5, five five, and Shesterkin's not starting tonight. So... I don't mind that St. Louis second line here tonight either. Um, Buchnevich, Vrana neighbors. Like, if you want to just leave off neighbors, I think you can. Like, I don't know why. Like they're stop trying to make fetch happen, Barube. Um, so you know, you can leave off neighbors if you want, but I live I do like Bucinevich and Vrana in their matchup here tonight against uh that Rangers second line. But I think the line I like best in this game is the Rangers top line.
2: Yeah, and I think the kids are all right as well if you would need a filler. But, you know, they only play like 13, 14 minutes. Although Capo Capococco has been going to the net and shooting the puck more. He had a shot bonus last night, which was nice to see. Philadelphia Flyers with a 2.4 total. Heading into Dallas, the Stars have a 3.6 total. Carter Hart, Jake Ottinger confirmed. Looks like Rupe Hintz is out tonight. Tyler Sagan taking his spot on the top line um flyers top line connecting tippet frost
3: uh you know ben what
2: because
3: frost got booted off after the first period last game i'm pretty sure i mean
2: you know whatever torts is going to do torts is going to (laughs) do
3: see that's you know what i started doing when i researched the games is i don't even consider philadelphia centers anymore i just load up pairs of wingers Mm. um I think Kevin Hayes might be like the one exception, but I just load up pairs of wingers, see how they're playing together, and then just, you know, wait to see what center they announce at, at warm up.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the Flyers, this isn't a very good matchup anyway. Uh, I, I don't have any interest in the Flyers. I do have some interest in that Dallas top line, even with Sagan there. He was there for a, few, uh, a little while earlier in the season when uh, Rupe was out. They had very good numbers. Sagan is 2,600 cheaper. Then Rope, the Rope, Uh I would imagine he also slides into power play one. So I think that line is going to be fully correlated. They have my interest. It's just going to be a matter of they're getting double-digit ownership on a 14-game slate, just whether if you want to eat it or not.
3: Yeah, Um just touching on Philly real quick, like the only – thing I might have interest in is Tippett and Konechny, and if you're to play the two of them on DraftKings, they average 6700 So, like, playing an average of $6,700 $6, Philadelphia Flyer wingers on the road in Dallas on a 14-game slate with a week left in the season just feels like the absolute fishiest possible move you can make. So, uh, like, you know... So you're saying
2: those, there's a chance.
3: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um... One of those situations where I would probably be considering the Flyers' top line if I was playing. I mean, you came and play 150 tonight because, because the fifteen dollars only at 47 entries. Yeah, but
2: you can like 40.
3: Yeah, um, even if you know you're playing 45 lineups, I might have a couple, you know, Tippett connecting two mans or something like that. But I, they're certainly not in consideration for me for single entry. I mean, on the Dallas side, it's just the ownership that's a problem for me. Um, I don't have a problem with playing them, but they are probably going to come in fairly high, you know, with a fair amount of ownership. Uh, I can, like you said, considering how much Sagan saves off from A Hints, I still think they're fine to play. Um Joel Pavelski has been on a nice little tear uh, here lately. I think he has 19 points in his last 15 games or something like that. That was a guy that we were making fun of a lot uh, um, not that long ago. I'll be honest. I think going to the filler of Ben Johnston and the Donoff is kind of what I like better here. Um, Tippett and Konechny haven't been bad defensively this year. Like at least they're close to league average and you know, the rest of the Philly lineup is nothing that I'm that worried about. So I think it's Ben Johnson to Donoff. They've been pretty good, especially over the last couple months, and they're priced like a filler. So I think it's that line I actually like best in this game. I think I'm going to let other people play. Um, uh, you know, possibly you know eight, nine, ten percent on Tyler Sagan here tonight.
2: Yeah, that does make some sense. Uh, I I've generally liked that line. Why Johnson's kind of cooled off a little bit. He was on a – but what it. It's like 78 games in the season. He's like 12 years old. He's eventually going to get tired. Maybe hit a little bit of a wall, but I think he'll be fine. Um, let's move on to Chicago with a 2.7 total. Heading into Vancouver, the Canucks have a 3.8 total. Alex Delac is probable. Thatcher Demko is confirmed. looks like Bavillier back on that top line with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Second line JT Miller, Brock Besser, Philip DeGiuseppe. Chicago going with Taze, Reichel, and Anthony the CU, Tyler Johnson, Radish, Dickinson. Normally I wouldn't read those, but I think there may be some merit to the Taze line tonight. I'll have to get your thoughts on that. I, 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 in one to three, no. But like in your MME mix, Andre Anthony the CU has been on a heater. On the Vancouver side, you look at the JT Miller line, they're coming in around 16%, which is quite absurd. Um $2,400 more to go up to the pedersen kuzmenko Bavillier line. They're around their top two stack percentage. That's the line I'm interested in. Pedersen's had a monster season. Kuzmenko's had a very good rookie season. Um, Bevilliers probably the best winger to be with them. I don't know why they yo-yo him around, but that's the line I'm looking at.
3: Yeah, I <sighs> – Kind of surprisingly, these two teams are two of the teams that have improved defensively, right? Um, you know, Vancouver Canucks were certainly a punching, bag, um, a punching bag team that we made fun of quite a bit. But as we mentioned on the last show, they have gotten better defensively. And over the last four weeks, their expected goals against is top 10 in the league and better than teams like Calgary and Boston. Um, that's a little bit of a problem because the actual goals against are basically right in line, uh, seventh fewest goals against a five on five over the last four weeks, the combination of Rick Tockett coming in, um, Oliver Ekman Larson being sent to Robita Island and Thatcher Demko coming back have all really helped this team kind of turn themselves around defensively from being one of the worst in the league to at least respectable. And that's the one thing that's kind of keeping me from being super in on Chicago. I'm with you. If anything, it would be the Taves line because they are coming in with a little bit lower ownership. Um, You know, you get Athens CU uh, and Reichel on the top power play unit, but like all the Chicago lines are coming in with a fair bit of ownership. And I, I just think there are other spots you can go for your filler. I, I You know, like I always say, I'm fine with one-offs. Like, uh, a Tyler Johnson one-off, I think, makes sense. He has 15 shots in his last five games, so he's been shooting the puck a little bit. Like, a Tyler Johnson one-off makes sense. And a Athena one-off makes sense. It's hard for me to full-stack Chicago here, considering I think Vancouver's just gotten a lot better defensively um, over the last month. Um, You know, it's kind of something that bears out if you just look at the games. Um, You know, four goals against... against, um, Los Angeles, you know, five against Calgary, six against St. Louis. Those are bad starts. Then other than that, you're looking at 2-1, 2-4, 2-1, 2. Like, they've really been locking things down defensively outside of a couple games over the last six weeks. So, um, not
4: super on Chicago. On the Vancouver side. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a
1: book club computer solitaire huh
4: ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over a 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no plus website for details
3: yes i'm with you on the Pedersen, bovillier kuzmanko line having been pretty good this year kind of leading to the JT Miller-Besser-Di Giuseppe line. And it's for th- this reason is that I think they're going to go out against the Athenasiou-Jonathan Taves line here. And Athenasiou and Jonathan Taves have just been terrible together this season. 3.1 expected goals against, 4.1 actual goals against, a 5-on-5. Those are just awful defensive numbers. You can't blame Taves. Like he, you can tell his body's just kind of let him down over the last few years. I mean, it is what it is. This is kind of... It feels like this is a swan song. These are the last few games you're going to get to see of Jonathan Taves. It's just unfortunate that from a DFS perspective, you kind of have to pick against them because um for those exact reasons. So I think it's the Miller, Besser, Giuseppe line I like best here tonight, but I think either of the Vancouver top lines are fine.
2: Yeah. Taves in his prime was so good, but yeah, he's far from that. Um Get, all, get access to our MLB content, projections, ownership, top stacks tools, top pitchers tools, top data tool, lineup generator, Discord, and much more. Just $9 for your first nine days. Click the link in the description below, and it will pull up the promo code that you need. Like, it will put it in for you. You don't have to do anything. So click the link in the description below. If you are having issues with it, you can go on the site and use promo code PLAYBALL, first nine days. Uh, first nine days just for $9. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, uh, we have the Los Angeles Kings with a 2.6 total heading into Vegas. The Golden Knights have a 2.7. Junus Corpusallo and Laurent Brossois are confirmed. Rare to see a 5.5 in today's day and age in the NHL. I just don't have too much interest. Surprisingly, When the totals are low, I generally have interest in the game. But this is just, you know, the Kings are pretty good defensively here. Like Vegas isn't great defensively, but they don't take too many penalties. I just, like, if anything, this is an MME game. Oh, boy.
3: Yeah. Um should know for Los Angeles, all the guys that have been out lately, they just said are going to be out again tonight. So that means no Fiala, no Velarde, no Mikey Anderson, no Alex Edler. Fiala and Velardi are big losses, man. Um, I was looking at like one thing I've been talking about on this show is the King's second line with Trevor Moore there versus the King's second line with Kevin Fiala there. It's basically night and day offensively. Um, with Kevin Fiala there, their goal scoring go up goes up like forty percent. It's not it's not like a small margin. Um, the reason for that is Trevor Moore is just not a good finisher. He never has been, and it's you know maybe he will be at some point in the future, but he's certainly not right now. Going back to last year, that Kings second line with Trevor Moore there, they generate a lot. They don't finish a lot though, and that's always a problem. Um, in DFS Uh, you you need those percentages to go in your direction so I'm not in so much on Kings 2 without Fiala there but Kings 1 is interesting to me because their expected goals for their expected goals generated have been going down pretty steadily basically over the last few weeks but one thing that was mentioned on our last show by one of the um people in chat and I think it's important to bring up is like, there's a pretty big difference between the Kings offensively on the road and the Kings offensively at home. I think part of that is just dictating matchups. Um, But the expected goals for number, like the defense is basically the same for the Kings top line, whether home or away, but it's the sh- the offense really dries up when they're on the road. Um Over the last three weeks, overall, um, 2.2 expected goals for but the expected goals for are 30% higher when they're at home you usually expect teams to be better at home that's just the way sports work in general 30% is extreme and you know I'm not so sure that I want to play Kings one on the road here especially where they're up near 16k I just think there are other spots other places to play in that price range, but I will say I don't hate them here tonight on the Vegas side. I just have no interest. Like they're, they've moved their, they've moved their lines around, right? Like Barbashev got moved down. I think Dorofaev is up on the top line now. I, I just, I don't have a whole lot of interest in Vegas against this Kings team. Even without Fiall and Vlardy there, they might be even better defensively <laughs> than they would otherwise be. So Um, if anything, the Kings top line, but I think I'm with you. I'm not super high on stacking anything here.
2: Move on to a replay of Tuesday or a run back of Tuesday. Colorado Avalanche with a 3.9 total heading into San Jose. The Sharks have a 2.7 total. Alexander Yorgiev is probable. Capo Kakinen is confirmed. Uh, looks like the lines are going to be run back on the avalanche side mccar is out that got announced while we we're on the air devon taze is going to be running power play one again looks like noah gregor moving up to san jose two with hurdle and peterson that line is a bit interesting considering how cheap they are and they're going to avoid the mckinnon line And colorado two is nothing to ride home about I love Colorado one here again, even with Evan Rodriguez there. I think, you know, you, you can leave him off if you want, but I think adding him in at 4,700 is completely fine. He'll be the lowest owned of the trio for sure. That is where I'm looking at Colorado one San Jose two.
3: Yeah. I, I don't mind Peterson and hurdle. I really don't because they have been generating offensively at least 2.8 expected goals for in their sample together. 3.3 actual goals for shooting about 10%. High event, both shot attempts for and against. They're a high event line. I think you can expect that with the San Jose Sharks with one week left in the season. Uh, But at least they're generating something. You know, Peterson is playing 18 minutes a game on average over his last five games. So I agree with you on the San Jose side. That's where I would go. The problem is, is Dennis Mulligan moving to that second line? Is that's a pretty big improvement for them. Like I know Mulligan's been kind of kicked around the league a little bit. I think he's one of those guys that teams don't really know how to use. And Colorado's kind of starting to figure that out. And like the Colorado second line with Mulligan there, 43 shot attempts against per 60 minutes of five on five. That is really good defensively. That's the only thing that worries me with hurdle uh, in Peterson is that I think just adding Mulligan there has made them better than it otherwise would be. But um, that I agree with you. Peterson hurdles where I would go on San Jose if, if I, if I were going to play them, but it's, I think it's back to the Colorado top line here tonight. Uh, the top line over the last hundred minutes, 4.3 expected goals for, per 60, 5.1 actual goals for shooting under 12% while they're doing that. Like being North of five goals per 60 minutes of five on five while you're shooting under 12% is just absolutely absurd shot generation. Like, they're just generating absolutely at will here. Um, You know, Devin Taves is on, like, as you mentioned, Devin Taves will be back on the top power play unit. So there are stacks you can make for the abs, power play stacks you can make um, that can make it a little bit cheaper, right? Like I, like I would be playing Miko Rantanen if I was playing Colorado, but you could do something like McKinnon, Rodriguez, Devin Taves on the blue line or something like that and make a reasonably priced Colorado stack um but I really do like Colorado one again here tonight I mean Ranton had 46 shots and 15 points in his last 10 games Nathan McKinnon if he didn't miss those 10 games or whatever would probably be in the MVP conversation and Evan Rodriguez everybody knows how big a fan of him I am so I really do like Colorado one uh here tonight coming in with heavy ownership they'll be in the mid-teens because of the matchup um but I think with Devin Taves on the power on the power play uh you know, you got JT Confer and Natusha on the second line on the power play. There are stacks you can make from Colorado that won't be talking whatsoever. So I really do like Colorado Want to get here tonight. Yeah,
2: they're one of my favorites again. They'll be heavily owned, but plenty of ways to get different, like Cliffy said. Let's get to the, ult- the last game of the night. Uh, Arizona Coyotes with a 2.4 total. Heading into Seattle, the Kraken have a 4 total. Connor Ingram probable. Philip Grubauer is confirmed. Do you have any interest in the Arizona one tonight?
3: Do I? Of course I do.
2: Yeah, there's no – They're combined 1% objective (laughs) ownership right now. I just, like, I don't know, man. Like, Seattle's had, like, a four total the last week. I just – I have a hard time stacking them. (laughs) Like, you want to do it, go to the McCann-Everley-Veneers line. Pro, they've been generating what you said, like two point six expected goals for per sixty. It is what it is. Nothing to ride home about. I think my favorite line in this game is Arizona one.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, McCann, Beneers, Everly. I will give them credit. They are they have been generating a lot lately. I was looking at their last three weeks, seventy one shot attempts per sixty minutes of five on five. Like that's that's a lot. That's a lot for anybody. I, I'm outside of like Matthew Kachuk or any Matthew Kachuk line, um, that's tremendous for Seattle. Um, they're all playing around 17 to 19 minutes. I, I think that Seattle top, that McCann line, is perfectly fine to play here at 5 to 6% ownership. No issue using them at all. Uh, the rest of the Seattle lines, uh, like Schwartz, Wenberg, Geeky, is kind of interesting because they're so cheap. And they have been generating, man. I was looking at Wenberg and Schwartz. I know I make fun of Wenberg all the time, but Wenberg and Schwartz over the last three weeks, 3.2 expected goals for per 60 minutes of five on five. That's pretty insane. Um, Problem is they're only shooting 5%. Um, You know, if they could shoot 10%, they'd actually be a pretty good offensive line. Jane Schwartz does have 17 shots in his last five games. I think with... I, I haven't seen any. I saw Oliver Bjorkstrand. I saw his wife had the kid. I didn't see if he was going to be back in the lineup tonight. Yeah, I'm um, not sure either. Yeah, it, assuming Bjorkstrand's out again here tonight, I don't have interest in Gordon um, I So I think Schwartz and Wenberg is actually a two-man you can kind of switch to. Uh, or, you know, Schwartz and Geeky if you want to just not play Wenberg. Um I think that's kind of a cheap filler you can look to here uh, tonight. At home against Arizona. On the Arizona side, um, the top line still been generating 2.9 expected goals per 60 over the last three weeks. Three 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 and a half actual goals. Keller, 36 shots over his last 10 games. The problem is, Seattle's really been good defensively of late. Um, all their lines, actually. Uh, the McCann line, right bang on two expected goals against per 60 minutes over the last three weeks. The Wenberg-Schwartz line, under two expected goals against... Gord Bjorkshen and Tolvanen was also under two expected goals against. Um, I'm not sure what it is without Bjorkchen. But long story short, you're going to need the goalies to fall on their face uh, for Arizona to get there tonight. Um, There's 17,300 on DraftKings. Like, you know, like the Columbus top line, I think would be a line that I would also use. Like, I know um, I said I wasn't super high on the Kings, but I think I'd rather play the Kings top line than Arizona one here tonight. So I think they're playable. I just think there are other lines in that price range I'd rather play.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I think they're a decent MME. You don't need much to get over the field. And you know, that kind of that kind of line. They have a 30-point projection, you know what I mean? With no ownership. So yeah. Lots of lots of twenty-eight teams, lots of defensemen. Obviously, you know, oh, Devin Hayes.
3: Sorry, just gotta jump in real quick. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, Nick in Chad said I think he's back, referring to Bjorkstrand. And I was just looking at uh, one of the Kraken blogs, and Bjorkstrand was at, at Morning Skate, so I'm assuming he's back in tonight, yeah. Okay. So, I get the, yeah, those three playable lines and three brutal defensive lines uh, for Arizona to face here tonight.
2: Bjorkstrand's had a weird season, but, you know, I think, you know, maybe. Whatever. We have 28 28- – teams lots of defensemen obviously Devin Tays sticks out like a sore thumb at 4900 in that matchup who else are you like and there's got to be some people
3: you like I mean Mikey Matheson for Montreal I'm um, gonna keep playing him especially in a good matchup at home against Washington you know Dougie Hamilton same thing at home against Columbus John Carlson's kind of interesting on the other side of that Montreal uh, the Montreal Washington game like he's expensive and it's to the point where, like, if you want to play, like, Carlson, Strom, and Ovechkin, like, it's a pretty expensive stack. I'm just trying to figure out how I'd use Carlson, but he's certainly in play. Um, yeah, Devin Taves like, number one with a bullet in the mid-price range. Other guys in that price range, Aaron Eckblad, and Cedar. Um, Jake Sanderson, obviously still running the power play for Ottawa. Noah Dobson seeing a little bit of a price drop. I don't know if it's necessarily a price drop, I think it's kind of accurate. I was looking, he's not blocking shots anymore. And that's a problem because that's something Noah Dobson, he would put up shots and blocks. That was kind of why he was valuable outside of his point production, but at his price, I think he's fine. Same thing with Vince Dunn. It's the cheap guys. That is really interesting here tonight. Uh, Darren Radish, 2,500. He played almost 18 minutes for Tampa Bay in the last game, assuming he's back in here tonight. Um, Jonathan Kovacevic, I think he's 2,600 for Montreal. Don't mind him as well. Our boy, the Zub, Artem Zub, 3K. As long as Chikrin and Shabbat are out, he's going to have to play minutes. And this could be one of those games where he has to block like five or six shots or something like that. Uh, So those are some of the cheap guys I like. Obviously, Mario Ferraro is certainly back in play as well. Ryan Graves, if you don't want to play Dougie Hamilton, Ryan Graves, I think he's 3,900 uh, in that matchup. Obviously, um, Henry Yoko Buffalo's gone. Buffalo's basically just playing four defensemen now. And Yoko typically doesn't do anything in those minutes. He's basically like My Eastern Conference. He's Eastern Conference Mikey Anderson at this point.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, but at least he's getting the minutes and he's super cheap. Yam Cork. Uh saw Tony D'Angelo's getting healthy scratched here tonight. And Tony D and wrist the were on the top power play unit in the last game. I gotta think it's gonna be Yam Cork and Rist the Line and running it tonight, right? He's probably going to have to get more minutes on top of that. He's only thirty-two or 3,300, so don't mind him uh, as well. And I'll mention uh, Mark Giordano uh, for Toronto. Um, He might have to block some shots here tonight as well.
2: I know there's a week left in the season. I don't want to jinx it, but are you a bit surprised that Torts and Tony D haven't had a bench blow up?
3: Well, I mean, that we've seen, right? Who knows what's happened um, behind closed doors. I don't know. I I, I think um, I think Torts is too preoccupied with making Kevin Hayes's life a living hell to actually uh, really care about anybody else.
2: <laughs> For a decade now,
3: <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's incredible, man. He fucking hates that guy. Yeah,
2: hated him on the. I hated him on the Rangers. <laughs> it's just...
3: Like I swear to God, if it was up to Torts, like he would just, he would just drop him off in the middle of Nebraska somewhere with a hockey stick in his in his bag and fifty bucks in his pocket and say, "Good luck with the rest of your life, Kevin."
2: Yeah, that's classic Torts, oh, man. Like goalie would actually be kind of neat if there wasn't Min Price, Devin Levi. Obviously, Soros at seventy one hundred uh, sticks out. Anyone else you like him?
3: I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. Like, it's one of those two goalies for me here tonight. There are others that I don't mind. Um, you know, Brassois, he's going to start um, against Los Angeles. Don't mind that. Especially, with like, no Fiala, no Valardi takes a lot of the scoring potential. Like, playmaking potential, I should say, out of the lineup. Um, you know, I think Marc-Andre Fleury on the road is perfectly fine as well in his matchup. But with Saros at 7,100 at home and Devin Levi at 6,500, I I think those are the two goalies I'm looking at the most.
2: Yeah. I mean, like, I guess you could play Sorokin at home for 7,400. Like, Tampa is never like a massive shot volume team. Just like trying to think outside the box here, but the box is very large and you can't really get out of it. Uh, Alex Leon, like, I don't want to play Alex Leon. Like, he's been good, but it's Alex Leon. I, I guess like, Vili Huso. If you're trying to get a bit contrarian, but like you don't really need to get contrarian with goalies, you just need the points.
3: You don't need contrarian, yeah. like you don't need a contrarian take with 28 yeah. goalies starting.
2: To yeah, play. yeah. So I'm just kind of talking out my ass here. I'm on the Levi or Saros as well. Those are my two guys. Be looking for your hat trick pick.
3: Um, he's he's going to be chalky. And he's expensive, but I would just want to shout him out because he's had an absolutely unbelievable season, and I think he gets to 50 goals tonight in spectacular fashion. Miko
2: Rantanen. He's had an unbelievable season. Yeah, Um, I'm going to go with uh, Pavel Buchnevich sticking it to his old team, and you know,
3: Mavys and Tarasenko dueling hat tricks tonight in the same game. Yeah, that'd be that'd be hilarious. Yeah,
2: yeah. Or maybe a Sammy Blay hat trick to get Haas all riled up. But no, let's, let's not get a Sammy Blay hat Yeah, hat-trick.
3: let's, you know, let's, let's not get let's, too let's crazy Let's tone it down.
2: Let's, let's relax. We're going to go with Pavel Buchnevich. Um, yeah. We will be back on Monday for the last week of the season. We have shows Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. And it will close out the regular season there. Um, so, for Cliffy, I am Josh. Go uh, Jeff shut shutdown line tonight. Yeah. Um, Love me some boldy. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> yeah. what I'm Happy
3: about. Easter, everybody. Yeah. We'll see you
2: online. <laughs>